welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. ages since I've been up here and actually preached a sermon. It's like last week we had our, our prayer service. The week before that, Pastor Hans was here and, uh, and preached about what's underpinning our faith and shared a whole bunch of prophetic words with people that I know really blessed a lot of you and encouraged a lot of you. And the week before that was our lockdown, so it, it has been a few weeks, but it's great to be here. I want to come back to some of the things that I was sharing before the lockdown and, and some of this stuff, and we're, we're in this series uh, called On Repeat, and looking at the idea that um, there are things that make up part of our Christian life and things that Scripture tells us and teaches us, kind of doctrines, if you like, about what we believe that are so important that we need to be reminded of them because uh, at times we forget stuff at times circumstances come in and 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 sometimes there are voices uh, from the world and sometimes there are all kinds of things that kind of crowd out the truth that comes from God's word and try to compete with that truth isn't there And so we need to be coming back regularly to the things that the Word of God teaches us that are truth. We need to be coming back regularly to that truth. In uh, 2 Peter, and we've used this scripture a number of times in in kind of talking this, but as, as Peter's writing to the churches, he says, Therefore, I'll always remind you about these things, even though you already know them, and are standing firm in the truth that you've been taught. But the the reason why he unashamedly is talking to them and reminding them about things that they already know is because the consequences of forgetting them are so significant. And so we want to, over the last few weeks that I shared, the first few weeks of this series, we started off with the idea or, or the message or the truth that you are loved. We talked about this and we reminded ourselves of how much God actually cares for us and loves us. And this morning we had the perfect example of that as we came around the communion table. The ultimate demonstration of God's love for us, wasn't it? The the, the cross was the ultimate demonstration of God's love for us. And so we had that reminder that you are loved. The next week we talked about how nothing is impossible for God and nothing is impossible with God. And we looked at some scriptures and we talked about that and we encouraged ourselves with the idea that that nothing is impossible for God. And if we are with God, then when when He uh, calls us to do things, that He calls us to do things that He also equips us to do. He doesn't call us to do things that we can't do. Well, in fact, He does call us to do things we can't do, but uh, then He empowers us and gives us His strength and so that we can do them in Him and with Him. And then the third week, we looked at the idea or the truth that God is worthy of worship. That no matter what circumstances we may have faced in the past or may be facing now, God is good and God is worthy of worship. I wonder how you've been going at remembering that stuff over the last few weeks. How how have those things been going at sticking in your brain? Do you... Uh, 
have times when you remind yourself of that stuff? Do you go back and remind yourself of that stuff? Do you keep those messages from his word on repeat in your life? This morning I want to talk, there's been a lot of talk in our community recently about vaccines, hasn't there? And some particular ones. And, uh, and that's part of the world that we live in. Some of you have had a, a, a vaccination recently. Uh, I don't want to talk this morning about the COVID vaccination, but I want to talk about uh, some things that help to vaccinate us against spiritual uh, issues, spiritual sicknesses, spiritual diseases that often we as Christians deal with. So I'm just kind of like cashing in on like a topical thing, all right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It didn't start out being that, but I thought it was a good, a good uh, way of kind of capturing our intention. And, and the thing that I want to talk about this morning is uh, from a found in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read it in just a second, but it's about God's grace. I want to talk this morning, the truth that I want to share and remind us of this morning, and probably nearly all of us here would know it and believe it and understand it to a fair degree... Uh, But I want to remind us of this this morning for a couple of reasons, and I'm going to share those with you. I want to remind us that we are saved by God's grace. That it is His grace and His grace alone that purchased, that that provides our salvation. That we have not earned it. So what what is grace? Now it's not just a, a popular girl's name. It's, <laughs> it's not just words that we sing in a song. You know, we, we, we sing about grace, don't we? we? Sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But grace is, fa- is undeserved favor. The Bible talks about grace in a whole lot of ways and there's kind of a, a multifaceted thing, but it's a fair summary of grace is the undeserved favor of God. It's favor that we didn't and could never hope to earn or deserve and when we look at salvation and our relationship with God and everything that God has provided for us and given to us and purchased for us we don't deserve that do we we never have we never could Ephesians 2 8 to 10 says God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things He planned for us long ago. How many of you know that verse? How many of you have heard that before? Two of you. Wow, you need to read your Bibles more often, guys. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know that you're just being recalcitrant and not raising your hand when I ask you questions. <laughs> we get, we're going to get a little bit more like, you know, when I ask you a question, I, I'm sure that probably many of us here have heard that v- verse, maybe not that translation before, but I'm sure that you've heard a version, a translation of that verse. We are saved by grace. Uh, through faith in Christ, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Um, some of you could probably recite it and memorize it. But we need to be reminding ourselves of this. 
uh, in uh, Romans 11 when Paul's talking about grace, he's talking about um, this idea of a, a remnant being left in Israel, but he, he uses, he's talking about grace particularly. He says it's the same today for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. And here he explains a little bit about, a little bit more about grace. He says, and since it is through God's kindness, his grace, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, or he's saying if, if it was because of their good works, if that was the case, then God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. He's saying if they deserved it because of what they'd done, then it wouldn't really be grace, it would be wages, it would be something they'd earned, it would be something that they deserved. One of the reasons, one of the things that grace or, or the idea of being saved by grace is important is that it, it vaccinates, this is the vaccination part, all right? It vaccinates us against, this is the first thing, against pride. When we remember that it wasn't because we were a good person that God saved us. When we remember that it wasn't because we ticked the right boxes or we earned our way or we did enough to please God that He saved us, then it helps to counteract that, that deception and that, that pride that wants to creep in. And those moments when we kind of uh, want to compare ourselves and, and list our positive attributes uh, and all those kinds of things. Sometimes we can get into that, can't we? Compare our level of righteousness with that of other people. We say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm basically a good person. I, I do this, I do that. I you know, haven't murdered anybody and I haven't robbed any banks and I don't cheat on my taxes and I'm, I'm a pretty honest person and I don't tell lies and you know, I come to church and I put my money in the offering and you know, um, make coffees and serve on the, the, the team out there in the kitchen. Not that many of you could say that, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 did I say that out loud? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wants to volunteer for the morning tea team after the service, anyone's feeling convicted this morning, um, go and see Haley after church. Yeah. No, but we kind of we list off these things. We go, well, of course God loves me, and of course God would want to save me. You know, why wouldn't He? Who wouldn't love me? And Jesus encountered people like this, and He told this really uh, horrible little story in Luke eighteen. Um, it goes something like this. It says, And Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everybody else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. 
I tell you, this sinner and not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In the eyes of probably most of his community, the Pharisee would have been considered a righteous man, would have been considered a man who had the ear of God, a man who God had had favoured and blessed, a man who had earned God's pleasure and favour. But God tells, Jesus told a different story. And Jesus kind of brought in this challenge, and this is why I say this is a terrible story, is because we can all put ourselves, I think at times, in the place of that Pharisee, can't we? The reality is that none of us are ever good enough. The Bible makes that very clear, doesn't it? None of us measure up. We can stand and pray in, in the temple all day long, we can give away all our income we can uh you know serve the poor and you know do whatever but none of us ever measure up to the standard that god has set that's why we needed christ to do it for us romans 3 verse 20 says for no one can ever be made right with god by doing what the law commands the law simply shows us how sinful we are Ephesians 2, the couple of verses just before we read uh, verses um, uh, 8 and 9, I think it was before, in verses 6 and 7, uh, Paul writes and he says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That sounds positive and encouraging and, and awesome, doesn't it? He says, he goes on, he says, So God can point to us in all future ages as examples uh, uh, of the incredible person that you can be if you work really hard at serving God. No, it doesn't say that, does it? What does it say? We're examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness toward us as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? God loved you. God loves you passionately and and with fervor and and he's saved you but you know his decision to save you and rescue you from your sin was a demonstration not of your goodness and how much you deserved favor but of an example of his mercy and his grace Paul says the same thing about himself in in first Timothy 1 he says you know I'm I'm the, the chief of sinners, I'm, I'm the worst of all, but God showed mercy on me so that you know, I could be an example to other people, that other people could look at me and go, well, if God could save him, he can save anyone. And that's what your life is meant to be as well. Your life is meant to be an example of God's grace that people can look at you and you can talk to people and say, hey, if God can forgive all the, the rubbish that was in my life, if God can clean up the mess that I made of my life and all the, all the junk that I had, if He can clean that out and make me uh, a person who is righteous and holy and gives glory to God, then He can do that with you. He can do that with anybody. This is the testimony of our life 
not my good works and not how wonderful I am at serving or doing this or giving or you know giving up this or or or, or living righteous or living holy but God can take my life that was a mess and restore it and make it clean and make me a son of God and he can do it with you It's easy sometimes for us as, as believers, particularly, and I think that often we start out with that understanding, don't we? We start out when we come to God in repentance, we are aware of our, our, our failings, we're aware of our sin and we come to God and we lay that down at the foot of the cross and we give that to Jesus and we're grateful that He restores us and rescues us. But as time goes on and, and, and we spend time living for Christ... And, and he begins to, to, to lead us and guide us and our, and our lives change and transform and he works in us. Sometimes we begin to take a little bit of credit for the work that the Holy Spirit's done in us. And sometimes we begin to take a little bit of credit because it, sometimes the things that God asks us to do feels like we've got to work hard at it at times, doesn't it? Sometimes he challenges us and the things that he takes us through are not easy and at times we suffer and it's, it, it, it's easy at times for that pride to creep in and, and begin to tell us that, that we've earned God's favour and that we're doing all the right things and you know, we're suffering and you know, all that kind of stuff. We get tempted to start to weigh up all of the things that we've done for Jesus just like that Pharisee who prayed in the temple in Jesus' story. And soon we begin to think more along those lines than, than the way that we thought when we first came to Christ, which was probably a little more in line with that tax collector who said, God, I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And I think at times it serves us well to come back to that reminder that we've been rescued Yes, we've been made righteous. Yes, we're living for Jesus and we're making those choices daily. But we are only able to do that because of the grace of God. James chapter 4 verse 6 says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Uh, when, when you look at the language of that verse, it literally means that God sets himself up in opposition to the proud. There's, there's kind of a, a deliberate sort of willful um, aspect to that, isn't it? When you set yourself up in opposition to somebody, there is a choice that you are making with knowledge and with intention, isn't there? And I don't want to be in that position where God is setting himself up against me. <laughs> Remembering where we came from, before Jesus rescued us and saved us and transformed us, helps us to identify with those who are still lost. If we cannot identify and have compassion on those who are still lost, who are reflecting Christ. We aren't above anybody else, are we? As other human beings, when we look at those who are lost, whose lives are a mess, who are making poor decisions, who are getting caught up in all kinds of sin and entanglements. When we look at people, we need to remember that you know, we were once in that same position. Maybe we didn't um, struggle in the same areas, but we were just as lost in sin without Christ. 
pride prevents us from reaching out to rescue those who are sinking in the same ocean that we were once drowning in. So reminding ourselves of being saved by God's grace helps to vaccinate us against pride. But on the other side of the coin, it also helps to vaccinate us against fear. Now I talk to uh, just as many Christians um, who are uh, living in that kind of fear of stepping outside of God's favour. And, and living in that fear of if I don't do the right things, if I don't tick the right boxes, then God's going to be mad at me and He's going he's gonna to smite me. So, <laughs> it always makes me laugh. Who's seen um, uh, Bruce Almighty? I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of Jim Carrey, but it was kind of a funny movie. And uh, I just remember that scene where he's just railing against God. And he's like, smite me, almighty smiter. <laughs> you know, but a lot of people have that view of God, don't they? The, the vengeful kind of God is just waiting for some kind of, waiting for you to slip up so he can strike you down with a lightning bolt. I'm sure that probably most of us have, have encountered people who kind of have that view of God. Oh, I couldn't ever come into a church, the building had collapsed or God had, you know, lightning and strike or something like that. But the Bible that we, that the God that we encounter in the Bible is not the kind of God who's just waiting for you to trip up. He's the kind of God that is just waiting for you to come to Him. Sometimes I think that that, that picture of God, that, that fear of um Doing something that, that God will get angry at is something that the enemy, that, that Satan uses to try to keep us from drawing near to God. It's like he wants to keep us in fear. He wants to keep us in shame. He wants to keep pointing out your failures and your shortcomings and your sins and saying you can't go to God while you're doing that. You can't go to God while that problem is in your life. You've got to clean that up. You've got to deal with that before you can go to God because He won't accept you while, while you're still struggling with that sin. You know, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus says, come to me and I will help you deal with that sin. Come to me and I'll take that away. Jesus is the one who has the power over that stuff, who breaks that stuff off of our lives when we come and we surrender and we submit it to Him. But here's the, the really great news. The really great news is that I'm not saved by my good works. No matter how many good things I do in my life, no matter how much effort, no matter how much I sacrifice, no matter what I sacrifice, I cannot earn salvation from God. I can't. The reason that that's good news is because we have a Savior in the person of Jesus Christ who already did that for us. And if He has already done it for us, if my salvation is dependent upon what Jesus did and not upon all the good things that I do, then if I fail and I mess up and I miss, miss, don't do something good, or if I do something that's the opposite of good, then my salvation doesn't suddenly fall apart because it was never dependent upon that in the first place. And that's a great thing because it deals with that fear of, of, of mis, misstepping in our life. 
that we don't have to live in that constant fear because as believers and if we, we understand this concept that we are made right with God, Romans three twenty two and 24 says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. We're not made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and then going on and making sure that we, you know, do this and follow this rule and keep going to church and, you know, keep loving our neighbour and, and this and all that. You know, it's, it's not grace and, it's not grace plus... It's God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 says that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still far away from God while we were still in that place of rejecting God, said God showed his love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Sometimes we can get into that kind of mindset of thinking that, you know, yes, there's grace, but we've kind of got to make sure we keep doing the other stuff as well, don't we? Most of us would agree that um, none of us are perfect. I think we can probably, uh, can we all agree on that? Yep. <laughs> Thank you. What a good, that was a good response. Get in there, come on with me. Well, we, we can agree on that. There, there are many who say that, you know, like God in His grace will overlook our sins if He sees that we've made a genuine effort to do the right thing. Amend our ways and you know, avail ourselves of all the help that he offers through being part of a church. And if he sees that the trajectory of our life is kind of, you know, heading in the right direction and we're, you know, we're trying really hard to do the right things, then, uh, then his grace will forgive us our sins and, and give us eternal life. And in this view of grace, uh, as sinners, we don't earn eternal life, you know, in, in that sense, but... Um, it, it's our, you know, our penitent response and genuine effort kind of triggers this gracious response from the Father. Let me let me kind of give you an example to sort of look at a little bit of the the problem that we have with this kind of thinking. Let's just say, for example, uh, at the moment, um, Hannah's seventeen and she's um, learning to drive. Oh, Amy's just turned sixteen. And uh, she's going to be learning to drive soon. Let's, let's use Amy because she's here. And um, Let's just say, for example, that she's been working really hard and she wants to buy a car. All right, she's going to get her L's really soon, aren't you? 
and, uh, and she's going to want to buy a car. And so she works really hard and she saves up money and she's, you know, she, she, you know, putting in extra shifts down at the pizza shop and, you know, she's not being frivolous with her spending, you know, she's being really kind of tight and saving all the money that she gets for all the birthday money, she puts squirrels and puts it aside and saves up. Um, you know, at the end of the time, uh, when she needs to buy a car and she goes to buy a car and she doesn't have enough. And uh, so, so obviously, you know, her parents, wonderful people that we are, gracious and generous and kind, um, see her, her diligence and... What? What are you laughing at that for? <laughs> we, we see her diligence and see how hard she's been trying and how, you know, uh, disciplined she's been and not spending extra money. Yeah, good job, Amy. Um, you know, haven't bought too much takeaway over the last month and... You know, been saving up. It's it's just a hypothetical story, is right. <laughs> uh, and so we we kind of top up the car fund so that she's got enough to to get a car that's going to be really great and reliable, and not the the kind of the rust bucket that probably she might have been able to to buy with just what she'd saved up. Um, now, Amy's efforts, as much as she put in, it wasn't enough to get her where she needed to go, was it? And so, uh, uh, for me, like as her father and, and Carrie as her mum, uh, nobody would uh, claim that we were obligated to have made. So when I do, it's an act of grace. She, you know, um, if, for example, on the other hand, uh, Amy had been fired from her job for turning up late and being really sassy to the boss and talking back and not that that would ever happen, Um, you know, and she'd been lazy and she'd been going out shopping and buying takeaway and blowing her money on frivolous kinds of things and, you know, whatever it is that you spend money on, too many earrings or bath bombs, I don't know, whatever it is that you spend your money on. (laughs) Um, Then... uh, you know, we wouldn't have stepped in and kind of made up the difference for her. It would be, it would be incorrect to say that Amy had earned the car because she didn't. But, you know, in, in the first example, her effort kind of triggered a gracious response from her parents. The problem is that that's a different definition of grace than what the Bible tells us. Grace is. God's grace. Um, because grace is undeserved favour. It's God's blessing on the unworthy. In, in the example that I shared, the, uh, us as parents, we kind of bestowed that favour because we felt Amy's efforts should be rewarded. The gift was based on the effort and the diligence and the discipline that Amy had demonstrated. But Jesus illustrated true grace when he told a story about a son who went away and and lived lavishly and wastefully. A son who was totally unworthy and brought nothing to his father except dishonour and shame and yet he was welcomed home 
with undeserved blessing and in un, unparalleled joy and excitement. You can read that in Luke 15 if you don't know that story. We are saved by grace, not a mixture of grace and our good works or our kind of the things that we do that are deserving of of praise or recognition. According to the Bible, there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation, nor are our best efforts good enough to even elicit a gracious response from God so that he will make up the difference. Isaiah 64 declares that all of our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. Even considering our best efforts, we have fallen short of God's standard of righteousness. And we deserve death. God's standard is not that we do our best. God's standard is that we are holy. God's standard is is not that we just try to be kind when we can, but that we love our neighbour. I don't know about you, but I fail in that all the time. (laughs) I don't measure up to that. Can't measure up to that. Even when I do something good, often my motives aren't right. All of our best efforts are not enough. Salvation by grace means that from first to last, it is undeserved. It's not a case of God doing 95% or even 99.9% and us just kind of doing that extra little bit to kind of get us over the line. It's not us doing a bit and God making up the balance. It's God doing it all. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Grace is God doing 100% and our humble recognition and acceptance that we don't deserve it and we have nothing to contribute to our salvation. Now, that doesn't mean that nothing we ever do matters or makes a difference. But in terms of our salvation, we, you know, we, we want to live for Christ and we want to live and do things that bring honour and glory to God, don't we? Because He has saved us not in order that he might save us. Our salvation is not based on our goodness or lack thereof. It is based on his goodness. Knowing that it's his grace that saves us and reminding ourselves of that regularly will help to combat both the pride that prevents us from reaching out to the lost and the fear that prevents us from reaching out to God. Can we pray together? Father God, we thank you for that grace that you have shown to us. Lord, that we did nothing to deserve the price that you paid and that yet you paid it anyway. That you willingly chose to rescue us and redeem us because you chose to love us and care for us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to remember, that you would help us to to keep in the forefront of our mind that, that it was your choice and it was your grace alone that rescued us. Lord, that doesn't 
mean that we don't ever want to do things that, that please you or at least try to do things that please you and honour you with your help. But Lord, help us to remember that um, it, it was through your grace that you rescued us, that you saved us, that you called us to yourself. Lord, help us to always have compassion on the lost, on those whose lives are a mess. To remember that that is only because of you at work in us and your transforming power that we're not there too. Lord, we want to be thankful. We want to be grateful. Lord, we thank you too that grace means that we can live without fear. We can walk in confidence in knowing that nothing will ever change the relationship that we have with you that you never give up on us that you never abandon us but lord when we when we fall short in our walk with you that your grace extends to us Lord, we thank you that our our salvation we can be confident in our salvation and our relationship with you knowing that you are at work in our life knowing that jesus has paid the price and done it all for us. It is the, 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 the finished work of the cross upon which we, we hang our confident assurance of our future with you. Lord, we just thank you for your reminder to us this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your grace towards us that covers us and strengthens us and equips us and enables us day by day. We just thank you and give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.